All right. Here we go on Super Bowl Sunday morning in Las Vegas. No, I didn't say the big game because it's not an advertisement, so I don't have to change it uh, so they can monetize on my show. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank Studio every Sunday at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, Las Vegas flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio and ESPN Radio Las Vegas. The WE also includes social media director Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Got his own theme music, and trust me, if you know the Wiz, you'll know why he has earned it. Also here is producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing and being part of several shows here at Lotus Broadcasting, Mags also serves as the locker room reporter for Vegas Golden Knights Radio, and uh, we are also streaming live on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and Twitch. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Adeline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank Studio, is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank, is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. To get information or to get your questions answered regarding anything mortgage or real estate related, contact the pros at RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank, today. How are you feeling about the Super Bowl here in Las Vegas? Well, it's pretty wild, you know. You know what I like about it being here is because right there on the strip, all the hotels, everything's compact. Uh, you could almost walk to everything, maybe Uber here, Uber there, but it's, I, I love it. Uh, the atmosphere is great. Uh, you know, it's a party atmosphere. That's what the Super Bowl's always been about in the last 20 years at any rate. So, uh, you know, Vegas has got it, man. They, they, they know what it's all about. They got the formula right, and maybe uh, Las Vegas, baby. Here on Out of Line, I've got a very rare opportunity. We get to the table, and guess who's sitting at my table? Muriel Hemingway. I mean, <laughs> go figure, right? <laughs> Never know who you're going to run into on Radio Row. Um, I'm sitting here talking to Charlie Young, and up walks Jared Bunch. Are you kidding me? Another U of M guy. Yeah. National champions again this year. Yeah, what's on tap? Uh, just so many people running into down on Radio Row. What a hell of a week it's been here in Las Vegas for the first ever Super Bowl here, Super Bowl 58, taking place uh, in a few hours uh, this afternoon today in Vegas in the evening in uh, most, a lot of other parts of the country. But um, extremely cool, man. So fortunate. You know, you saw there uh, Vince Papali, Mariel Hemingway, and uh, Jared Bunch, just a few of the many people I had the opportunity to, to talk to, run into, spend a little time with this past week, and it's been truly a blessing. And uh, that's on tap. We also have uh, today, of course, every year annually, we have the tackle the guy who made it mike jones and uh, looking forward to having mike on and then a friend of mine and um uh, i think one of the best in the business bernie fratto host of the bernie fratto show on fox sports radio will be joining us at the bottom of the hour and looking really forward to that and then finally we've got the picks man it is scoop it and uh, scoop is ahead by one half a game over me i had a tie that's why it's scoops up by a half a game he wins today. He comes back next year. He doesn't. He doesn't. That's what out of line's all about, man. So you just got to beat me, Scoop, and that can't be difficult. Whatever side he's on, I'm on the other side, and that's the way it's going to roll. Listen, that is What's on Tap, and once again, brought to you by our title sponsor, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank. And if you are looking to buy a home, refinance the home you currently own, or if you, again, have any mortgage or real estate-related questions, contact the pros at RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank, today. Okay, and right, let's go right now. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. 
nightcap. Uh, this, the puck started once again after the All-Star break, which, by the way, not a single Golden Knight played in. A little bit surprising. Uh, nothing wicked. They've won two straight, and I think the one thing we can say that is clearly cemented right now is Aiden Hill's position as the number one goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights. He's won all four starts since returning from injury, and he stopped a streak that was epic by the Edmonton Oilers. They were trying to ha- have actually the longest streak in NHL history. They were on the way playing great Connor McDavid absolutely at the top of his game. Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid today together, I say two of the top five players in hockey on the same line, man, the best power play there is. And it culminated into a 16-game winning streak, but the Vegas Golden Knights put it to an end after the All-Star game on Tuesday night. They followed that game up with another win against Arizona. And uh, the Vegas Golden Knights hanging around their six games back in uh, the Pacific Division um, of the Western Conference. And I like their chances going forward. But I think, again, Aiden Hill is going to get the bulk of the work. Two games this week. You've got the Minnesota Wild coming to town tomorrow night. And uh, they will be uh, also hosting the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday. So looking forward to that. Real quickly, moving over to UNLV. I've got to give them some love. Um, They've won four straight since taking one on the chin to Air Force. Uh, An absolutely disgusting game where they gave up 90 points to Air Force. Air Force lost by big-time double digits. And everyone was uh, like, hey, it's over. Kevin, that cemented Kevin Kruger's fate uh, as far as he won't be the coach at UNLV next year. I still think they have to make the NIT and win a game. That's my prediction uh, as far as him keeping his job. But I will say this. They've won four straight. They beat, they swept New Mexico now, and both times they played New Mexico, New Mexico was ranked, and this time the 25th team in the country. They take them down at the pit. No easy task. And I said that that would be a measuring stick. I've got to stick to my word. I am impressed, okay? I did not see that win coming. New Mexico has been a bit up and down and not maybe played up to their potential at times. That's still a monstrous win for Kevin Kruger and the Running Rebels. Hats off to them. They've got two games this week. They'll be at Fresno on Wednesday, and they'll be uh, at home to play rival, uh, cross-state rival UNR on Saturday. And to me, that's the next measuring stick. If they get by these two games, I'm going to start having to scratch my head. I told you I really like the Boone brothers. They make a tremendous difference. Kalen Boone is an outspoken kid who really is a leader on the floor. Something they were missing last year and something at the beginning of this season I thought they were missing. This kid steps up. He's vocal. He's good. And his brother's really good as well. I like the motor on Rodriguez. Um, Deedon Thomas, I'm telling you right now, this kid should be a senior in high school. So you know what? I got to give him some props. They're playing better than I thought they would at this point in the season. Still a long way to go. And I don't know. I don't care what happens. I still think this team has to make a postseason tournament and probably has to win a game in it unless somehow they get in the NCAA. That would be good enough. But that's what it's going to take for Eric Harper to retain uh, the services of Kevin Kruger, in my opinion. Let's get right to uh, some highlights on Radio Row as we've got a lot coming up in a few minutes. Uh, Spencer, go ahead. I had a chance to talk to uh, a bunch of players. We're only going to have time for a few of them right now. But, Spence, we'll play as many as we can. we got Mike Jones uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes. Played in a lot of monstrous games. How big was last week's win, or two weeks ago, I should say, yeah. in the NFC Championship game? How, where does that rank? It's out there. Uh, it wasn't the way I want to win it, for sure, because I'm always a stickler. I want our defense to be the reason we win. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't have our best outing that day. But it's up there because our team proved to ourselves that we can win in the grandest way possible, having to come back seven, down 17 at the half and win in, in the biggest moment in the NFC Championship game. To, to punch our tickets in the Super Bowl, so good. Did you take it personally when they went for it on fourth down, especially both times? Because it looked like, obviously, the game completely changed after that first fourth down miss. You guys turned up the gas and never turned it off. Yeah, I mean, we knew going into that game that that was something that Coach Campbell was big on, was wanting to take chances. You know, he was going to live and die by it, and uh, it went in our favor. Now that you guys have come back twice, you put that moniker behind you, you guys can win it anyway, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the goal. Uh, it's good to prepare the best we can going into the game and knowing that we can win however we need to. Well, score, I'm going to go with 49ers by three. Let's say something like this. There's going to be a lot of scoring going on like it did last year with the Eagles. It's going to be wide open game. I'll say 35-32, 35-30, something like that. We're going to see a great game then. Oh, absolutely. What you think this game is going to be like, and I want a prediction. Um, it's going to be magic. Anytime you give the ball to Patrick Mahomes, there's going to be magic. Um, but 
I got a lot of guys on the Niners sideline that I know previously being on the Panthers, just being around the league. And so CMC. Exactly. Like, he deserves it. That guy, unbelievable. Uh, great, just a great dude. Love my time with him. So I'm, I'm excited for him. I feel like he's going to have a great day. He's always just succeeded in big moments. And what bigger moment than this? I need a prediction on the game for you. I like the 31-27. I'm sticking with uh, Chiefs. Why? Uh, just think Mahomes is, you know, like I always tell people, it used to be back in the day growing up, I was Terry Bradshaw, right? Then I was Joe Montana. Then I was Troy Aikman. Then I was Tom Brady. Now it's Patrick Mahomes' time to shine. I think he's the next. Like maybe Dan Campbell of the Lions coach can get on one of these machines before he makes a fourth down decision in the future. He's not joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm from Detroit, so it's a little more difficult. Who are you pulling for? You know, I guess I'm pulling for the 49ers because I was born in Hill Valley, but that's oh, really yeah. a, lame, a lame reason, but I kind of like it. All right, and uh, you heard from that was Fred Warner, Vince Papali, Austin Corbett, who is an offensive guard for the Carolina Panthers, played with the Rams when they won the Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford, and he is a Reno product and a native Las Vegas, or I should say native Nevadan. So uh, pretty cool to have him on. Uh, Brett Raymer, you heard from my friend and also owner of Stallone's Italian Eateries and uh, the, the star of... Um, tanked on Animal Planet, and of course Muriel Hemingway giving her prediction. I had some great stuff from Mitch uh, Holthus, who I think is one of the best play-by-play guys in the business. A couple of decades with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll try to do that um, either later on in the show or maybe in a future show. Great interview with him. If not, I'm going to post it on the social media sites. But I don't want to take any more time. Let's jump right into Fact This, Spencer. Fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Fact this is brought to you by Lifelike Hair Center of Las Vegas. If you are experiencing hair loss or thinning hair and want to learn about the best non-surgical options available, call 702-737-5759 or go to lifelikehair.com and schedule your free consultation today. It's a fact. In Super Bowl 35 at the Georgia Dome, St. Louis Rams linebacker made the tackle uh, on Tennessee wide receiver Kevin Dyson that ended the game and the Rams handed the Rams their first uh, ever Super Bowl. This play, in my opinion, not only won that Super Bowl, but also is responsible for ultimately cementing Kurt Warner's ticket to Canton, Ohio and the National Football League Hall of Fame. I want to welcome now our annual Super Bowl guest, the man who made the tackle, Mr. Mike Jones. What's going hey, on, Jones, Mike? What's going on, Mike? Hey, what's going on, Brian? Everything good? Oh, you know, man. Oh, you know, man. The, 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 the Super Bowl the, the, is in Las Vegas. Las and, Vegas. Uh, and I um I just can't tell you how excited we are here to finally be hosting that game. I wish my that Lions game, wish were in it. However, however, that being said, um, hey, we got the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. I was hoping you'd be here in studio this year with me, man. You know what? Yeah, I was hoping the same. I'm back on. Yeah, I was hoping the same. You know, we uh, we had talked about it a couple of times, getting out here, getting out to Las Vegas, and. Getting an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl, it's in, it's in your home, not your hometown, but in your in your backyard. So, um, but unfortunately, we couldn't get out there. So, eventually, we're gonna get together. We're gonna go. I'm gonna. Get, I'm probably gonna have to come out to Las Vegas when the Super Bowl isn't there, and then we can get together then. No doubt about it. No doubt. We will about get together it. at some time. But Mike, I gotta ask you. And I, we do. We start the show with this way every Super Bowl when I have you on. It's Super Bowl Sunday morning, man. What is going through your head right about now? You know, you got a few hours to go before the game. But I gotta imagine if there's ever butterflies, this is when they're flying around. You know what? It's not as bad. Um, it's not as bad right now. The worst part for me, and it's so funny, I say this all the time, is right before you run out on the field. Even when you're warming up, you know, you'll see things. And I think I told you this before. You know, when you warm up before the game, it's different. You walk out of the locker room, and I walked out of the locker room, and, and, you, and you walk and you see someone out of the corner of your eye, and you look like, okay, was that Samuel Jackson? <laughs> You know, and then you keep on walking, and you run on the field, and you're like, wait a minute, is that Denzel Washington? Because, I mean, you, you're running. You're not used to seeing certain things. So you know how you, you see something, you had to do a double take, like, wait a minute, did I just see who I thought I saw? And and that stuff kind of, you're fine there. But when you get in that tunnel, that, that to me, and, and and a couple of guys I've talked to said the same thing, you are so excited 
one of my really dear friends, Joe Kelly, told me before they played the 49ers in 89, he said that they were in the tunnel. He was hyperventilating. They had, someone had to hand him a brown paper bag to calm him down. I'm like, man, it's not that bad. And I'm dead serious. Before we go out the hut t- tunnel, I'm walking around, my heart's racing. I'm looking like, man, this is exactly what Joe was saying. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's that's the the hardest part. The night before sleeping, you know, before a game, it's always if you don't have any nervousness, that's you're not human, yeah. especially in the NFL. But 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 the the actual running on the field is, is probably the the most uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? I won't say excruciating, but just so hyper and and all those different things. So intense and so electrifying and, uh, it, you know, just incredible watching a game. And, you know, I always think of what you guys, before you go on the field and, you know, at a much lower level like high school. So same thing, you know, you're in the bathroom right before the game and you're just, uh, something's coming out of somewhere before you run on the field. And I always think of like, you know, Vince Papali, of course, I interviewed him at a little bit of clips with him on the show. And I remember in the movie Invincible, you see Mark Wahlberg and the guy who played Dick Vermeil in the bathroom, both throwing up before the game and both must be something I ate. You know, and and uh, that's what you go through before the game. That is what's known as butterflies. Mike, uh, these guys, you know, two teams that are just very accustomed to being at this point now. Um, for me, it's almost anticlimactic. I wanted to see somebody new. I wanted to see my Lions there. But these are two playoff grizzled teams. This, this Kansas City team, I mean, they are so playoff grizzled, it's not funny. I talked to Mitch Holthus, their um, play-by-play guy, before you know, over the course of Radio Road during the week, and he went on and on about, you know, the playoff experience just goes down to even the young guys have played in the Super Bowl just just one year removed. So they are so grizzled. And then you look at San Francisco. I don't remember the last time there has been this many talented players of the level that they're at, at skilled positions on both sides of the ball. I mean, San Francisco, Christian McCaffrey, pound for pound, might be the best all-around player in the National Football League. You know, you look at what Brock Purdy's done in only 26 career starts. That includes playoff starts in his career. Um, as You know, it's another cool quarterback. You might see the making of another future great one. Debo Samuel's a complete difference maker on the outside, and to be complimented by Brenda and Ayuk at the other side, this team is just ready to 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 play, and also pretty decent offensive line as well. George Kittle, a, a, a grizzled potential future Hall of Fame tight end, and then you look on defense, and you can relate to the linebacker positions, but Greenway and Fred Warner, I don't know if there's two be- better inside linebackers in the game, and then of course on the outside, when Nick Bosa and if Chase Young ever gets that motor running like he has the ability to do. I don't know how you get past the front seven of this defense. Oh, you know what? And and that's ironic because the the strength of San Francisco's defense, in all honesty, they're going to struggle with the strengths of the Kansas City offense. If you look at those wide receivers and what they're doing uh, in Kansas City, now they got a tight end and the wide receivers are playing better. Uh, San Francisco's weakness on defense is their secondary. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they attack that. Um, up front, you know, the front, the front seven is very good. I, I, I'm a little disappointed, I'll be honest with you, with, with how they're playing defense the last two games up front. Matter of fact, in all phases, because uh, Green Bay and uh, the Detroit Lions ran on them and they threw on them. And usually with a, with a defense like that, you can take one thing away and it seemed like they were struggling. Um, in both games they play. I mean, uh, you look at the Green Bay game, Green Bay ran the ball and they threw the ball well. Uh, the quarterback, young quarterback made a couple bad throws. Uh, you look at Detroit, and Detroit just, I mean, we, we, well, we don't want to rehash that, but there was, there was opportunities for them to pull away, and they didn't. But San Francisco, to their credit, figured a way to win the games. Um, you look at the, the Chiefs, the Chiefs have played their best football since uh, week 18. And that's when you want to play your best football. I mean, they're, they're, of course, Patrick Mahomes, you have to say he is what he is. He's the best quarterback in the game right now. Uh, but the, the, the wide receiver position with the Chiefs and the penalties and what they're doing, that really helped, uh, helped them through the playoffs. Oh, I, I think so, too. I, I, think, I think that it, that 
the defense just continued to get better as the year went on for Kansas City, and uh, and that's something that you know they are going to they're going to accentuate today. Uh, one of the things you know, Brock Purdy is um, you know he'll be blitzed. There's no doubt. Steve Spagnola is a guy that really wants to blitz you, and he's going to do everything in his power to you know speed up his recognition and his reaction process. But the problem is Brock Purdy has been one of the best uh, quarterbacks against the rush this year. I think he's ranked third in the NFL. This could be the difference to me in the game is how well Brock Purdy handles this Steve Spagnola defense. You're right. And and You're right. and I'm and the thing is, I believe this the Chiefs understand that you don't have to sack people to get off get them off the field. The Chiefs understand get the quarterback off off rhythm and have him bat, throw passes that aren't catchable. It's just as good as a sack, and that's I think what what I think Spagnuolo is going to do. If he can't, if you can't get to him, well, okay. If he gets an incomplete pass, whether it's a whether it's an incomplete or a sack, it's the same result on third down. You're getting off the field, so I think it's going to be a the the chess the chess match is going to be third down. Well, excuse me, second down. Though that medium down, will San Francisco be in second and medium to short? Or they'd be second and long. And the same with the Chiefs. With the Chiefs on offense, can they get into second and medium or short or medium and long? And that's and that's where the bottom line where they're gonna have some problems. And then and then on the defensive side for San Francisco, are they gonna pressure them with man to man coverage? Or are they gonna sit and throw the ball? And that, I don't think that's gonna end well if they do that. Now, we are talking to Mike Jones, former oh, linebacker in the National Football League for many years. If you don't know, uh, he's got a play named after him in the biggest game, the Super Bowl, and that was in Super Bowl 34 at the Georgia Dome, and it's, of course, the tackle. And, uh, Mike, I, I agree with you. But And what you had made a really good point about what – the success of the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions had against San Francisco was the ability to run the football. I think the elusiveness of Jordan Love really helped out San Francisco, but then you saw a pocket passer in Jared Goff also have success. But the key was opening up the passing game with the running game, and I think a big burden of that or a big uh, amount of that is going to fall on Isaiah Pacheco today to get yards for Kansas City because they are going to count on him. And if he can do what you're saying and get them into second and third and short situations, I think they'll fare well, especially with the ingenuity of a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, who is the best in today's game. With, In my opinion, I don't think there's a question about that. He is just a seasoned guy that finds ways to innovate and get things done. And again, but the running game will make that possible for him. And then you've got Travis Kelsey, who people will argue and are already arguing maybe the greatest tight end of all time. And he's remotivated at 34 years old because his girlfriend is uh, one of the most popular pop stars in history in Taylor Swift. And I said, you know, a good bet is for this guy. So he'll score two touchdowns because he's going to be showing off. He's like, you've seen his career and how well he's been playing. And a lot of that, you do get motivated when you have a situation like that. But all jokes aside, um, you know, it's going to come down to, again, I think that battle in the trenches like it always does, Mike. It's going to be, you know, the offensive lines of both teams are going to have to play really well and the defensive lines their motor's going to have to run because the bottom line is you want to get to that second and third level of the defense especially against San Francisco not that it's a it's a glaring weakness but the weakness on that defense would be the secondary and like I said if you get past the front seven you can have success against the 49ers but it's kind of difficult to do that it, it is you know you look at and one one thing you didn't say I didn't I didn't hear the I didn't hear the over under or if if uh, Jason uh, is on uh, Kelsey, going to take his shirt off when uh, Travis <laughs> scores. <laughs> I'll tell you but, what. But uh, like you said, it, it's going to it's going to be it's going to be a chess match without a doubt. They played each other. Uh, they know each other well. Um, you know, even though they're not in the same, not even the same conference, they have very a, a lot a, a lot of similarities in winning. Their philosophy, how to win, um, what they're doing offensively, defensively, and special teams wise. So I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be a great chess match. It's gonna be a great game. I think you know playing indoors with a controlled environment, you don't have to worry about uh, the the field. There's something wrong with the field, like some people were saying last year. Um, it's it's, it, it's gonna be a controlled environment, and the team that makes the least amount of mistakes is gonna win. I agree with you, Hunter. I agree with you, Hunter. Your, your prediction? 
I'm predicting the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are, are in all phases of their game at every level. I think they're they they just they're, they're they'll outmatch them. It's gonna be a close game. I mean, it's gonna be a lot of points scored. I think it's gonna be somewhere around 35, 31. Um, they have a but uh, but again, let me change that. Excuse me, 38, 31. I think their field goal kickers. I mean, they just got good special teams. Kansas City. They're playing well on offense. They're playing well on defense. I think they're, just gonna, they're going to outscore them. I think that's a good prediction. I, I like the Chiefs also. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on. I don't get to choose what side I want in our picks. Last thing I'm going to say to you, the way that I led the show, uh, a fact this off with, with Kurt Warner. I know we've talked to him uh, on air, off air to, to you about uh, your relationship and the fact that, you know, Kurt Warner's a really good guy. But I have to ask you, he didn't ha- he didn't include you in the in this Hall of Fame speech, which I thought he should have ended it by saying, and hey, thank Mike Jones for making that tackle. Because again, it is borderline whether he makes the Hall of Fame or not if he doesn't have one Super Bowl victory under his belt because his statistics almost don't justify it, but his body of work does, and that Super Bowl victory is big. When you see him, Mike, last question to you. Uh, does he thank you? Does he get this aid? Mike, thanks for that tackle. Oh, did we lose him? Coach, Coach Camille, <laughs> we went to him, went, went to see him when he when he got inducted. So we're at the Hall of Fame, and we're, and, and we, we are actually sitting at the dinner behind him. So coach is talking to me on the stage where he's about to get inducted, you know, and he's having a conversation like you and I are having. And I'm looking like, coach, you know you are on the stage about to get inducted and do your get your coat. And he's like, man, I'm not worried about that. We're going to keep on talking. So, you know, that's just coach for me on how he operates. But, yeah, I see Kurt and Kurt, you know, he just, you know, he's excited that he made it, of course, the, the Hall of Fame and we won a Super Bowl and, you know, it, that that's part of it. You know, if, if I help him get in the Super Bowl, uh, into the Hall of Fame, I'm fine with it. If I did enough, I'm fine with it as well. Well, when I get to the well, when I get tent, to- I'm going to have a little picture of Mike Jones, and I'm going to stick it on his bus just so you know. Mike, we appreciate you. And I know that one of these years we're going to have you in Vegas live here in studio for the Super Bowl. But our annual guest, Mike Jones, former linebacker, the man who made the tackle in Super Bowl 34, Super Bowl champion. As always, Mike, really appreciate you taking the time and joining the show. Time and joining the show. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. Absolutely. All right. Let's move right forward. Uh, guest, I'm looking very forward to have, I think, one of the best in the business, a guy that should have been on national radio for years but is now the host of the Bernie Fratto show. You can catch him on Friday nights from 11 to 2 a.m. and this is Pacific time and on Saturdays from 11 to 3 a.m. Hey, if you're a night owl, it's perfect and if you're not, it's worth staying up for. Bernie, first I want to uh, you know extend my condolences about your dad um, and, and super happy you're able to take time out and join the show. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Brian. Uh, it's kind of ironic as I was signing off, my dad passed uh, this morning. Uh, but uh, as you say, uh, for night owl, sure, but uh, you can also download the podcast. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I, I've never stopped you promoting, I guess, huh? No, <laughs> yeah, Bernie, you shouldn't, because in all seriousness, the show is and not just because you and I have been friends for a while, but the show is really, really entertaining by the fact that you definitely know what you're talking about and some of the best stories, and they're all true, that I've ever listened to. I could sit and grab a bag of popcorn and listen to you all day long. Bernie, an incredible week down here. I got a chance to see you one, down, one day down at Radio Row. What do you think and how do you think Vegas has handled this Super Bowl experience to this point? Yeah, Brian, I think it's a master class, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I have in my life has been to three Super Bowls, covered the one in Detroit, no six Super Bowl forty Pittsburgh and Seattle. What people have to realize, uh, Brian, is the Super Bowl is essentially a two-week convention for the NFL, and then it culminates in a football game. You don't really realize that you are a part of it, but that's the way it is. What better convention city in the world than Las Vegas? When it comes to our accommodations, our hotels, our transportation, our security, uh, the restaurants, the nightlife, the, the additional entertainment, the proximity, and how really relatively easy it is to get around even when it's congested. This is the convention city capital of the world. So for the NFL to choose to have the Super Bowl here, which is essentially a two-week convention for the National Football League, you can't think of a better spot. And I'm already told, I mean, I've told the the NFL's blown away. The FBI was blown away. The visiting teams are, are, are blown away. The fan bases, they can't believe how seamless and how, uh, you know, incredibly, uh, you know, the excitement here in Las Vegas is through the roof. Not, not, you know, not to disavow any of the other cities, 
that do it, but no one does it like Vegas. And I know next year it's in New Orleans, followed by L.A., then uh, San Francisco, and I'm told 2028 there's a good chance we're back in the rotation. Yeah, I think Vegas is going to be in regular rotation. I could not agree with you more, Bernie. Yesterday, being down there as they wrapped up Radio Row and going and seeing the NFL experience, I mean, literally, they had to refund money to a lot of people. If you didn't get there for the 10 a.m. signing, uh, if you hadn't bought tickets by 10 a.m. yesterday morning, you almost certainly didn't get into the experience. I've been to this is my third Super Bowl. I've seen the NFL experience twice before. It's, it's really cool, but it was never this crowded. It was it was to the point where you felt like a herd of cattle in there. But uh, to your point, that is how excited Las Vegas is and what it means to this city. And it really is becoming a sports town. And I cannot believe the, how this city is more from when I moved here in late 2004 when I would cover the Las Vegas Wranglers, the Las Vegas 51s. And no offense to any of these teams, I really enjoyed myself and it was cool. But UNLV basketball was still your biggest ticket in 2004. And now you look where we're at now two major professional sports franchises. You can throw the Las Vegas Aces in there, as well as now you've got the the Oakland A's, soon to be the Las Vegas A's coming to town. And with the way Adam Silver likes the end, has always spoken highly of Vegas, has been a fan, unlike David Stern, you know that it's just a matter of time before an NBA team's here, Bernie. Well, it's inevitable. The NBA will be here within five years. All that has to happen next is that Adam Silver completes the TV contract negotiation when this one is up in 2025. Seattle and Las Vegas will both be getting expansion franchises. The Oakview Group has built seven arenas around the world. Uh, has already earmarked plans on the South Strip, South to the South Point, for a $20 billion complex, including hotels, casinos, and uh, the arena. And uh, they most recently built the, uh, the hockey arena that the Seattle Kraken playing. So, we're not that far away from being a four-sport city. And I had the good fortune of seeing Jerry Tarkanian's run and Rebels win the national championship in 1990. It wasn't at that game, but I saw three games in person that year. And until, uh, until now, like you said, that was the signature sporting event for the city. But now it's been proven Vegas can not only host major league teams, but do so successfully with championships under their belt in a relatively short order. Yeah, the landscape of Las Vegas has changed so much, and not just the landscape uh, that we're talking about, but physically the city of Las Vegas with these stadiums up. You drive down the 15 from now in 04, it is like a night and day. It's amazing in just uh, literally 20 years how much Las Vegas has, has completely changed. Uh, Bernie, once again, speaking to Bernie Fratto, the Bernie Fratto Show every weekend on Fox Sports Radio. You can also pick up the podcast. The, the show's great, 11 to 2, um, every Friday and every 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. every Saturday here in Las Vegas, and definitely uh, check it out. Bernie, um, the the Super Bowl itself now, getting ready to come here and talking about the teams that have made this journey. Kansas City, the toughest road they've had in a while where they had to win two road games to get here. Of course, on the other side, you know, you've got the San Francisco 49ers, the number one seed. Uh, they somehow managed to get through two games where they struggled uh, dramatically earlier in the games, but at the end of the games when they had to win it, they did that. Something that they had kind of been a knock against this 49ers team, that they weren't a team that was known for coming back. But then against Green Bay at crunch time, Brock Purdy let him down on a game-winning drive, and we all saw the collapse of the Detroit Lions in the second half of the NFC Championship game. But how much does that prepare a team like San Francisco, who, you know, not that they don't have a lot of playoff experience, but to go against a team that has a lot of Super Bowl experience in the Kansas City Chiefs and arguably the best quarterback in the game today? Well, when you look at the 49ers and the way they're constructed, top to bottom. They have nine pro bowlers and 11 alternates. So this is a roster clearly built to win a Super Bowl today. And I'm a contrarian. I'm one of the only people that believes the 49ers will win today, and I'll break it down why. But two weeks ago, when the send-off line was Niners minus two and a half, I couldn't believe how many people lost their minds. Oh, how could they be picking the Niners? How can Vegas? Blah, blah, blah. Well, to set the record straight, uh, Vegas is not in the prediction business. We're not in the fortune-telling business. The betting line is merely constructed to create equal action on both sides, maximize profit, minimize risk. And it's done based on sophisticated math models that lead to something called a, uh, a power rating. Now, if you'll notice, the line has been pretty constant. 
Got a size two and a half, settled at two. Now it's one and a half. If the line was so far off, well, the Chiefs might have crossed zero, and they they would be the favorite. So the the books got this right in terms of the line. When you handicap a game, you look for strengths versus weaknesses. Both teams are going to run or run the ball. The Niners are very susceptible to the run, but the Chiefs are even more susceptible to the run, and the Niners have a better front seven. One trend I look at, and it's 42 and 15 in Super Bowls, is which team has cumulatively outgained the other yardage-wise over the course of the season. That is the 49ers by a long shot. The Chiefs, very good team, tremendous defense. Ironically, it was their defense that's really carried them this year. Statistically, Brock Purdy has beaten Mahomes in every category. And when you look at the Chiefs and the way they're constructed, they, uh, you know, they don't give up a lot of points. Not a single team scored 30 points all year, but they have not seen the multiple physical weapons that they're going to see today against the 49ers. The Chiefs like to run press coverage and jam receivers at the line of scrimmage. Not sure how well that's going to work against the likes of Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, uh, and, and George Kittle, who led the league in, in, re, in receiving yards. Also, one other thing I look at is the turnover factor. The 49ers were plus 10 in turnovers this year. The Chiefs were minus 11. You also look at the red zone proficiency. The Niners scored touchdowns in the red zone 68% of the time compared to the Chiefs 51%. I believe the 49ers will win today. I've got the score 24 to 20. Now, the one thing I'm not 100% sure of is if it's going to be high scoring or low scoring. So I'm going to stay away from the total. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but that's the way I see it. Niners 24-20. Bernie, what, what would it take, and you talk about this 49ers team, and I, I, I feel, I echo you know, exactly what you're saying as far as the skill position on, on offense. They're as good as anybody in the game with their wideouts, their tight end, and their running back. I don't know how you beat that. But what is it going to take? Because you know Spagnola, as I said to Mike Jones, is going to try blitzing. I think it's the only remedy for Brock Purdy, but then again, he handles the blitz. He was, I think, the third-rated quarterback against the blitz this year what do you think kansas city has to do defensively because as you said their defense really has carried them to this point but what are they going to need to do to be able to slow down this 49ers offense well they're going to have to try to cut off the head and pressure brock purdy and sack him and hit him as much as possible steve spagnola i expect to drop a very clever game plan in which he disguises his coverages and he disguises his blitz packages in an attempt to fool Brock Purdy, he makes his pre-snap read. The post-snap read is different, but that's what makes Purdy so great. His ability to process is unbelievable. His ability to make his read progressions, and obviously he keeps plays alive with his feet. People call him a game manager. They call him a system player. Well, I got news for you. Those things are not, uh, you know, insults. Joe Montana, Tom Brady, they're pretty good game managers too. System players as well. You have to be. You have to operate the offense within the framework of a system that's designed by the offensive coordinator. You have to be able to manage the game. That's the whole idea. It starts there. The question then becomes, can you manage it at an elite level? And I don't think there's any question, especially in the last two weeks, when Brock Purdy, when it mattered most, led the team back from come, come from behind victories. Who can forget the play? Where he was flushed out of the pocket, rolled left, rolled right, threw across his body on his right foot, threaded the needle down the middle on the third and 12 and hit Brandon Ayuk, which led to Christian McCaffrey's touchdown. He rushed for 52 yards, not because he's willy-nilly like Justin Fields. It's because he makes decisions based on what his eyes tell him to do. Quarterback is the position you play with your eyes. You receive the ball, you make mental snapshots, you have less than two seconds to make a decision and execute. He's very accurate. He may not be able to throw a football through a brick wall. But a lot of guys can't who will never sniff the Super Bowl. He may not win a track meet, but a lot of guys can't who will never sniff the Super Bowl. Long-winded way of answering your question. If Spagnolo gets to Purdy, I don't think he's going to rattle him, but if he gets a couple of four stairs and pick or two, then the Chiefs can win. The Chiefs probably will win. Do I see that happening? No, I don't. 
Yeah, I think, uh, I, you know, listening to you, I start to lean more towards San Francisco. Maybe it's my heart screaming out to Kansas City because obviously, um, you know, my bitterness of the Detroit Lions not being there and that's personal is the reason. But I, I do think San Francisco is the better football team. They've been that way all season. They've been among the, 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 the first or second best team in the league. I thought Baltimore might do a little bit better than they did, but um, I think they're the better team. It's just a matter of Kansas City, again, experience and how much does that that play a role and again not that San Francisco's not experienced but they haven't played as many Super Bowls as uh, Kansas City has in the last half a decade so we'll see what happens when it comes to all that but well, that's, that's a real factor no that's a that's a good point look this is where the Chiefs live what is this their third Super Bowl in five years yep this is Brock Purdy's first Super Bowl but plenty of the Niners were on this team in 2020 when they had the Chiefs down by 10 with six minutes to go we all know what happened Look, redemption is good for the soul. Don't think the Niners don't know that. And also, you know, Brian, teams don't repeat. I know the Pats did it in 2004. They were the last team to do it, and there have been, what, five or six teams who have done it. The Broncos did it. The Green Bay Packers did it. The Pittsburgh Steelers did it a long time ago. We're in the salary cap era now. Teams don't repeat, and there's a reason for that. And I just can't get off the fact if if I didn't trust my gut, my analysis, and I just went with the group think Echo Chambers as everybody, you know, they don't even need to play the damn game. The Chiefs are going to win. Well, I wouldn't forgive myself because I really believe the Niners will. Now, we'll see. Could I be wrong? Sure. You never know how a Super Bowl is going to pan out. I talked about this last night on my show, the top ten Super Bowls, because of the way they're talked about. Joe Namath in two Super Bowl three, the situation with Seattle passing the ball in the goal line, right on down the line. And Super Bowl 24, check that, Super Bowl 34 in 2000 when your guy Mike Jones made the tackle at the end. These are Super Bowls that are talked about, not because necessarily the result, but key plays that are etched in our mind. Is there going to be a key play that we can't see coming today that could decide the game? We'll just have to wait and see, but I think you got a hell of a heavyweight matchup. Ironically, that nobody really wanted. I didn't want it. I would have rather seen Detroit Buffalo. I would have rather seen maybe San Francisco and Baltimore, whatever the case may be. But we got a heavyweight matchup, and we don't know what happens until the ball is in the air and the game takes on its own personality. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't cue it up, but uh, I, you know, I got a chance to talk to Mitch Holthus, the longtime play-by-play radio, play-by-play voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. As a matter of fact, he's known as the play-by-play or the, the voice of the Chiefs for a long time. Um, and he had this great video that I saw, and you know, it was very accurate where he said, you might not like the Chiefs, you might not root for the Chiefs, but you have to deal with the Chiefs, and that is the absolute truth. The 49ers have to deal with the Chiefs, but I think if anybody is equipped, Bernie, and I I agree with you 100%. If there's anybody equipped to deal with the Chiefs and beat them, it would be the San Francisco 49ers team this season. Uh, although, again, experience does play a huge role in that. Bernie, I, I can't let you go without talking about the, the the conference championship game and most mostly to us, the NFC conference championship game against Detroit. You know, I've had so many opinions over the last week. I've been depressed. I say, this is the biggest heartbreak the Lions have given me because I didn't really expect anything of them being beyond the Dallas win back in the 91 at the at the end of the 91 season I knew they weren't going to beat Washington in the NFC championship game I didn't I knew nobody was beating Washington that season in the postseason this year it was different there was a real feel that yes especially seeing Green Bay go in and have the success they had against San Francisco with the running game I felt this this really could be it and then we have that magical first half magical if you're a Lions fan the way they came out and they just really put their foot on the throat of the 49ers but they let it off the throat and I, I I question Dan Campbell I've criticized him I have been critical most of the year to be fair one thing that was pointed out to me and I and I have to you know really look at is that this is the way Dan Campbell coached and again if he doesn't go for the fourth downs in both those situations and Bagley does miss both those field goals you have a whole nother set of critics on him saying why did you change up what you've done all year and I think in the back of his mind there was probably that little bug saying man I know I should kick a field goal here it would only be human to think that way but he had to live with the hair of the dog that that he's been using to bite people with all year he did and uh, it didn't work out for him but now that I look at it in retrospect I understand it much more. What was your feeling on the whole thing, Bernie? Well, when the decision was made 
in the third quarter with seven minutes to go, to have the opportunity to go up three scores instead of 24-10, 27-10, and he opted to go for it, and then the pass was dropped, had a bit of a sinking feeling there. I did not agree with that decision, especially since right before halftime, he kicked the field goal to put the Lions up 44-7. So if a three-score lead is good before halftime, why isn't the three-score lead good in the third quarter? I questioned it. Because at that point, the Niners had maybe four possessions left in the game. They would have had to score on three of them to beat the Lions. They would have had to do it fairly quickly. They wouldn't have time for seven-minute drives. And they would have had to hold the Lions out of the end zone or off the scoreboard as well. Be that as it may, very similar to Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl years ago, when you make a decision, if it works, you're a hero. If it doesn't, in some eyes, you're the village idiot. Dan Campbell is who he is. And he changed the culture. And they're 22-7 and in the last 29 games. And they got a whisker from the Super Bowl because of the way he coaches. So I guess we can't have it both ways. Although, and for, for the record, it wasn't an, a decision based on analytics. Dan Campbell is not an analytics guy. It was just based on his gut feel and what he wanted to do. And I still maintain all my moles in Detroit for all my years in the air there. And I was told that Dan Campbell truly believed at that moment we can't stop the 49ers right now. We got a problem. The second score was, the second half score was 27-7 49ers. Uh, and, and the bottom line is this, that Campbell truly believed unless he was going to get another touchdown, they weren't going to win anyway. So he made the decision. On the other hand, you know, these decisions, when you get to a certain point in the game, you follow an inflexible anchor as to what got you there, or is it simply a guideline? The week before against Tampa Bay, he rolled the dice and won. He rolled the dice against the Niners on the road and got beat. In retrospect, I would have, we all would have liked to have seen what would have happened if he had attempted both field goals. We all know how hard it is to get to that point and how far away it seems like next year, their opportunity to get back to that point. The uh, stars aligned. They had two home playoff games. Who knows if that will happen again. But be that as it may, the Detroit fans, I think, were, were actually pretty pragmatic and said, look, we're a young, strong team. we got a chance to get back. And at the same time, before the season, if someone would have told us we were 20 minutes away from the Super Bowl, would we have taken it? Probably would have taken it. Detroit's the best sports town in America, so they'll take it with a grain of salt and say, well, we'll try again next year. You know, Bernie, I, I, I like it, and uh, I 100%, if you would have told me we'd be 20 minutes away from the Super Bowl at the start of last season, no question, I would have, my famous line, been all over it like a hobo on a ham sandwich. So, you know, I mean, I I, I really uh, enjoyed what he did this year. I was in Detroit for both those playoff games, Bernie. It was magical. The last time I've seen Detroit that excited, yes, the, the 91, or I should say the early 92 playoff game against Dallas, the Silverdome was electric. 80,000 people going nuts in an enclosed environment, your hair is going to stand up on your arm. But in the same respect, the last time I had seen Detroit that excited was probably 1984 when the magical Tigers of 84, bless you boys, went on to win the World Series, started 35-5 and and never looked back. It was the same type of vibe that I felt. The one thing is, is yes, is this team geared to become a good team and be a good team for a few years to come? I think they are, but again, you know, it's the National Football League and we all know what that stands for. The average career of an NFL player just over three seasons Seasons. And if you look at it that way, uh, a third of all their of all, of all their careers just went away this season. I don't look at it exactly that way, but if they stay healthy, Bernie, this could be a team that could be a lot of fun to watch for a few years to come. Don't you think? Well, I'll draw a parallel. Uh, let's go back to the Bad Boy Pistons of the '80s when Isaiah clunked heads with Vinnie Johnson, and they couldn't get past Boston, and they got past Boston. And then they lost to the Lakers in Game 7 in the finals in 1988 and then came back to win back-to-back. Fast forward to the Michigan Wolverines three years ago. They got over the hump, beat Ohio State, got to the playoffs, got smoked by Georgia. Came back again the following year, lost to TCU, but had the ball in the final minutes with a chance to win. This year they get it done. As I step back and distance from what happened two weeks ago, I really have a pretty damn optimistic feeling that these Lions are going to be right back in the mix next year. There are no great, great, great teams in the National Football League. What do I mean by that? Like the 60s Packers, the 70s Steelers, the 80s Niners, the 90s Cowboys, and the New England Patriots of this millennium. It's wide open. And I think the Lions have proven that 
they can go toe-to-toe with anybody, and I think they can very well be back in the tournament next year. And if you can do that and get at least one home game, anything can happen. Look at the Chiefs. Everybody said, all right, can Mahomes do it on the road? Well, he went into Buffalo, and he went into Baltimore, and left they're right back where they need to be. Guess what? The Lions beat them opening night, and I don't care what anybody says. You can't take that victory away from them. Past years, the Lions would have found a way to lose that game. They didn't. So it's a different new Lions era, and I think this year will actually serve to be a building block. No, I have seen luck, and I have seen them find a way, ways to win games, which is something that we are definitely not used to in Detroit if you've been a longtime fan. Uh, my, my only hope is all my friends out there, when I told them to shut down the analytics, I didn't want to hear about analytics. They started pointing to, the, to Bagley statistics, kicking outdoors and all that. So you know what? My hope is that they go out and they get a kicker with very good percentages outdoors and indoors so that can't be an excuse, and then it's all a matter of decision-making. But you know what? I'll live by the sword and die by the sword. Dan Campbell, I will say it, I have said it, is the best Detroit Lions coach in my lifetime to this point. And uh, I wish... Oh my God, yes. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm happy for the city of Detroit that they have something they can lean on. I'm happy the way that they stood behind him. And also, Bernie, I will say, I'm really happy with Sheila Ford Hamp. I believe she, to me, out of all the Fords that have been, you know, tried to run this team, the couple that have anyways, she seems to really want to make a difference. And her office is actually down there. She's right in the thick of things. Not like William Clayford, who didn't even show up for half the games, Bernie. Well, look, there's an old saying, Abart Giamatti once said, the games are designed to break your heart. Designed to break your heart. It's, it's incredulous to think that 40 years ago, almost to the day, Eddie Murray in San Francisco missed a field goal that would have put the lines over the hump. And that Steiner's team went on to beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl 16 in Detroit. 40 years later, they, they, they elect not to go for the field goal. But it's a different day in Detroit, and this is a different culture, and people better believe it. And so uh, you can't hold uh, the, the sins of the past uh, against these guys who most weren't even born when the Lions were doing the goofy stuff when I was covering the team from 98 to 08. So onward and upward, I think you're going to be hearing from the Lions. They're for real. I 100% agree with you. The Bernie Fratto Show, every Friday on Fox Sports Radio, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m., that is Pacific time, and 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. on Saturday. And, Bernie, how can they get the podcast and hear you otherwise? Yeah, just go on to Fox Sports Radio or uh, highartradio.com or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, or just type it in, Bernie Fratto, Fox Sports Radio podcast. It'll... It'll come right up. I'm uh, I'm proud to say we have a lot of wonderful people at Fox, but out of 17 weekend shows, I consistently rank second in downloads, and so hopefully uh, people haven't gotten tired of my stories yet. They, they never will. He is Bernie Fratto. We appreciate you, my friend, uh, for joining the show and taking time out this morning, and once again, my condolences and God bless. Thank you, Brian. All right, let's roll right over to Scoop, and we've got our Scoop It and our final pick of the year. It comes down to two people. I'm going to let Chris and Spencer give their picks first real quick because they don't matter. We do. All right, well, I was going to go with whoever. Well, I was going to go with Kansas City regardless, so uh, I'm going to go with Kansas City. I think they went out right. Okay, Spence? Yeah, if if the defenses are equal and it comes down to Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes on the Chiefs, even though I super don't want them to. All right, we've got two Chiefs. Uh, Scoop, you're the one that matters. This is a matter whether you come back next year or you don't. Do you make the cut? You've done a great job this year, by the way, and we really appreciate you. Who do you got? The Scoop just dropped out of the broadcast. He was there two seconds ago, right before you did All right, Scoop, you dropped out of the broadcast. I can't give my prediction. I'm going on the other side of Scoop, whatever that is. So uh, I'm looking to see. Let me see if he he picked San Francisco. So Scoop has taken the San Francisco 49ers, giving up a point and a half. That means I've got Kansas City getting a point and a half, and I like it. I'm pulling for the Chiefs anyways. Listen, we're out of time. I want to thank Mike Jones. I want to thank Bernie Fratto. Of course, producer Chris Magnum Chapman and Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski wouldn't know what to do without them. I'm Brian Feldman. Back next week, and hey, most likely on the show next week, Shannon Spake, who is a, a sideline reporter, NASCAR great, a girlfriend of one of my good friends now, and we'll have her on the air, and who else? We'll let you know then. Once again, this is Out of Line, Super Bowl Sunday. Enjoy it, Las Vegas. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.